Hey, welcome back to the latest episode of the Road.TV Sermon Podcast. I'm your host, Jason, and today we have a powerful message from Pastor Matthew about the tongue. In this episode, he's going to dive into the importance of our words, drawing insight from James 3. Get ready to be challenged as Pastor Matthew shares practical wisdom on how our words can shape our lives and impact those around us. So grab your coffee, get comfortable, and let's dive into this message together. It is so good to be in the house. Thank you for choosing to come and worship with us. Man, it's been a good season that we've been in as a church. How many of you enjoyed our marriage series that we just got out of? I know y'all did. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, how about this? Next week, we are beginning a series entitled Satan's Favorite Lies. Satan's Favorite Lies. I'm excited about that. This week, we are taking a break if you will, from a normal, typical sermon series. And we're going to be talking about our Bible reading plan, our Bible reading plan. I hope you guys are in our Bible reading plan with us. We're just kind of walking through the scripture, reading a chapter a day, five days a week. And I wanted to make sure that we draw our attention back to the Bible reading plan this week. This week we've read in James. We finished out the book of James. We read in Acts as well. And specifically today, we're going to be looking at James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. James chapter 3, 1 through 12. Let me say this, and I'll kind of ask you guys a question as it relates to it. When I was a kid, if I said a bad word, they would wash my mouth out with... So I guess that was true for y'all too. I mean, y'all, is that... uh, Someone actually told me after the last service that when they were a kid, their parents put like Tabasco hot sauce on their mouth. And I was like, that sounds delicious. So, I I mean, (laughs) that would not have worked for me. But I can to this day, I I can remember the taste of soap in my mouth. Unfortunately, that tactic did not stop my bad habit. I still wrestle to this day with my words, but I've made it a point this year to do everything I can to work on what I say. I want to do better at not saying bad words. I want to make sure that I'm not the guy that's leading my kids astray all because of the things that I'm saying. I I don't want to be the person that's known as being negative or critical or divisive. I want to be a a guy that's known for being positive and building up and encouraging God's people to keep moving forward. And so I've made it a point to be mindful of my words. I normally do good. Um, I have been. But this past week, I was in the car with my family or part of them. And uh, I guess I didn't realize when we set off to uh, go to watch the movie Wicked, anybody seen Wicked? Uh, how hungry I was. You hear what I'm saying? Because the, lo- the further I drove, the hungrier I got. And, and then I began to be angry that there's not time to stop anywhere and eat anything. And now my hunger and my anger is getting together. And now I'm hangry. And now we got problems in the car on the way to watch Wicked. <laughs> you know, I have again learned that um, my words, if I'm not careful, when I'm weak, when I'm hungry, when I'm angry, when I'm lonely, or even when I'm tired, can prove to have devastating effects on the people 
uh, love. Our words can be good, they can be bad, they can build up, they can tear down. And, uh, and all of these emotions and all the, you know, I guess when we're listening to people talk, how about this? When we're listening to people talk, um, if they're not saying the right thing or they're saying something we don't agree with, sometimes some of that anger can also build up into us. And sometimes we can try to decide, should I interrupt what they're saying and tell them what's on my mind? Y'all ever had that happen? So someone's talking and you're like, I got a lot of thoughts about this and I'm trying to decide, should I let you in on the truth or what's in my head or should I let you keep talking or whatever it is you're talking? And, and one of the things that I wanted to make sure that if we care about our words, that we're being honest about where we are. And so there is a group of questions, there's four questions that will help you decide if what you are thinking you want to say is something you actually should say to the people that's in front of you. And I just want to give you this practical advice before we move on in our sermon. And then, here it is. Is it what you are wanting to say beneficial? Four questions that will help you decide whether or not you should say what you're thinking in your head. Is it beneficial? Is it true? Is it kind? Is it useful? Is it beneficial? I'm going to say it again. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it useful? If the answer is yes to all four, then by all means, go ahead and say it. If you have a no in there somewhere, then why don't you do us all a favor and keep your mouth shut? Okay, how about that? Uh, and here's why we need to be careful and mindful of what we say. Our words matter. That's the title of today's message. The truth that we're going to build on is this. What comes out of our mouth is the result of what's in our heart. What comes out of our mouth is a result of what's in our heart. Let me pray for us, and then we'll continue to dig into God's word together. Lord Jesus, we love you. I'm just so thankful, God, for your grace and your mercy uh, in not only how we live, but what we say. And so, God, would you have your way today? Lord, would you, would you prepare all of our hearts? Would you prepare our minds to receive this word? And, and God, would it not just inform us about how to live a life pleasing to you, but, Lord, would it transform us so that we can be more like your son, Jesus? And so, God, have your way. We love you. We lift you up. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're in James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Um, let me kind of, as you're turning there, if you, have, if you already got there, let me just give us some context into what it is that's taking place in James. Uh, James, who wrote this book, is Jesus's brother. If you remember from our Bible reading plan, there's 12 tribes, and, and then all of a sudden in Acts, Stephen gets martyred, and that freaks all the Christians out, and now they're scattering because they also don't want to be killed for their faith. And so again, you got these 12 tribes that are scattered all around, and James, again, who is Jesus's brother, is writing to them to encourage them in their faith. How many of you realize it sometimes can be difficult to live out our faith when times are good, much less when times are really hard and tumultuous? And, and, and here we are, James is writing to Christians who are scared, who are frustrated, who, are, who are, are, are on the run for their life, not knowing what they should do next. And James is writing to them to say, hey, listen, listen to me very carefully. I lived with Jesus a long time. I'm his brother after all. I know what I've been learning from him about life and listen to what I'm trying to teach you about how to live a godly, passionate, faithful life. And, and to James, and I think this is really interesting, it comes back to our words and how we're doing in that. 
Uh, if you, James is often, the book of James is called the Proverbs of the New Testament because it's just so packed full of wisdom, very practical wisdom. And uh, it's the earliest book in the New Testament. It's actually written 10 years before the Gospel of Mark, which is the first gospel. And again, this is James, Jesus' brother, right, who grew up with Jesus, hello. And he's telling us, hey, let me tell you what I've learned about Jesus and what matters in our faith and how you can know how you're doing as you're living out the gospel. And again, James says it all comes back to our words. And so won't you begin reading with me in James chapter 3. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 12. The way I like to do it is I just read a little bit of scripture, then we talk about it. And then I read a little bit more and we talk about it again. Does that make sense? And so that's what we're going to do today. Just read a little bit, talk, read a little bit, talk. Here it is. This is how James begins. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Not many of you should be teachers because those who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, listen to this. Who is teaching and what is being taught is fundamental to the forward progress of a people. Are you with me? Who is teaching and what is being taught is fundamental to the forward progress of a people. Teachers, and I'm not just talking about preachers. I'm talking about all teachers. And just if you will, how many of you realize that someone looks up to you and is learning from you? Do you guys realize that? Raise your hand if you know that to be true. If you're not raising your hand, then let me inform you that is true for you. And whether you like it or not, you are teaching someone something. And James is saying, teachers, you got to be careful about life. Not everybody should be leading practically in life because we're all teaching somebody something. The word teacher here is the Greek word didaskalos, and it means a teacher or one who wants to be a teacher or even thinks they are a teacher. How about that? And James says, if you are a teacher, I want to be a teacher, or think you are a teacher, then you need to be careful because teachers are judged more critically. And just because you are a teacher <laughs> or want to be a teacher doesn't mean you should be a teacher. This principle is true in pretty much everything that we, that we do. I mean, just because, uh, how about this, you want to be married doesn't mean you're ready to be married yet. How about that? Uh, just because you want to have uh, kids doesn't mean you're ready to be a parent. And again, James is saying just because you want to teach uh, doesn't mean you're ready to be a teacher. And, and here's why this is true. The people we lead learn and prioritize the things we allow to be a focus. Are you with me? The people we lead learn and prioritize the things we allow to be a focus. In other words, what you make important in your teaching becomes what's important in the lives of those that you're teaching. Very simple. What you make important becomes important to others. What you don't make important, how about this, becomes not important to others. And so it's important to know, listen, that how you're living, specifically according to our text today, what you are saying is important because it's teaching people something. It's teaching people something. If you're a parent, let me say this to you again, you are a teacher. And your life, your words and your actions, but specifically your words, are teaching your kids something. So let me ask you, what are you teaching your kids? What are you teaching? I read this quote. I think, it's, I think it's incredible. I wanted to make sure you got it. And so it's in your notes there. When we're tongue-tied about Jesus in our homes, it shouldn't surprise us when our children are sin-tied in their hearts. Listen to me again. This is all about teaching. What we're saying 
because what we say and don't say matters. Listen to this. When we're tongue-tied about Jesus in our homes, it shouldn't surprise us when our children are sin-tied in their heart. And Jesus in Matthew 18, uh, 6 or 7 tells us that if the way you teach your children leads them astray, then listen to these hard words. It would be better for you to drown. This is literally what he says. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. James is saying, be careful if you are a teacher because you'll be judged more strictly. I need you to hear me. I've said it already. I want to make sure I say it again because it's in your notes. What we say and what we don't say matters. Are you guys with me? What we say and what we don't say matters. All teachers guide and direct thoughts and beliefs based on the words they use, and this can be good or it can be bad. If you're critical, how about this? If you're critical, and that's the words you use. The people around you will either hate you or they will learn to be critical. Are your words divisive? The people around you will either hate you, never want you around, or they will learn to be divisive. You, you got bad jokes you like to tell? Then the people around you will start also sharing in your bad jokes. You got a potty mouth? How many of us can be honest and say that the more I hang out with people that has a potty mouth, the more I tend to have a potty mouth? Do you see what I'm saying? This is how this works. This is why what we say matters. Thankfully, James is clear to us. He says, we all stumble in many ways. That's verse two. That's how it starts off. We all stumble. Uh, There's grace for those who are using their words and unintentionally leading people astray. And there's also mercy for those who are intentionally leading others astray that have repented of that sin. There's grace and there's mercy. But what I think is so interesting, though, is what's next in verse 2. And this is what it says. James is speaking. He says, anyone, listen to this, anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. Okay, that eliminates all the all. Y'all ain't perfect. I hope that lets y'all know that right there. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. The definition that James uses to describe perfect is someone that doesn't stumble in their words nor say the wrong thing. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) We all have said or say the wrong things or have a tendency to, and so James is just kind of simply saying to us, no one is perfect because no one is perfect in what they say. But what I think also is interesting is what this little scripture section here continues to indicate. And I want you to look back at verse two because it says this. Again, I'm gonna read it and then I'm gonna make this point. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. And so this is what you need to see. James says that someone that can control what they say can control their whole body and keep it in check. That's what he's saying. So let me ask you a question. Are you keeping your whole body in check? Are you able to keep your whole body in check? 
He also tells us in James chapter 1 that if you are not and, and, and you can't say this is because of God, it's everybody. Listen to what he says in James 1.14. Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. And so James is saying, listen, every single one of us, the reason that we have problems in our life is not because of God leading us somewhere, but because out of our own evil desire and lustful thoughts, we are led astray and enticed into sin. And just in case we need to be reminded, we all deal with sins and lust of the flesh. We all do. When James says each person in James chapter one, he's not talking about a couple people. He's not talking about a few people then. He's talking about each person, all people now. And all of us have sin struggles. All of us, listen to me again, have sin struggles. All of us, each of us has a vice, if you will, somewhere in our life that is our natural default thing that we do that we know we shouldn't do. And listen to what James is saying. I think this is so good. James is saying, to the degree that you can manage your tongue will be the degree that you can manage your vice. That's freaking great. I don't know if y'all understand that. To the degree you can manage your tongue will be the degree that you can manage your vice. <laughs> I wrote this down. I almost had this be our truth that we build on for today. Um, but, but I wanted to say it because it really simplifies what James is saying. He says this, if you can get your tongue right, you can get your life right. How you're doing in life can be determined by how you're doing with your words. Are you negative? Are you divisive? Are you critical? Do you have a potty mouth? You like to tell bad jokes? Then listen, that's an indicator of what's in your heart. Are you guys with me? And then he goes on, James does, he gives us three analogies, which I think are really interesting about the power of the tongue. This is what he says in verse three. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. I, I love horses. Matter of fact, we, uh, we bought a house here in Choctaw that backs up to a horse farm. I mean, we love horses that much. And we absolutely love it when the horses come up behind our house. And we even bought some little like, horse peppermints, right? So my kids can run out there and feed these horses because we want them to keep coming back and we want to train them to keep coming because we love watching horses. These 1,000 to 1,200 pound, large, majestic animals. And what's interesting, again, if you know anything, anybody like horses? You got, anybody got horses? Oh, a lot of hands went down at that. Uh, it, listen, they, they're, they're controlled by this little bit in their mouth. A bit, listen, is a little piece of metal that controls the strength and the direction of the horse. Okay, so here's what James is indicating. Your tongue influences, dare I say, controls your strength and direction. There's an incredible test out there. A lot of you in business may have taken it. It's called the Strength Finders Test. And, and, and a lot of businesses like for their employees to take this because it helps them understand their strengths in life and in, and in work. And again, it's called the Strength Finders Test. If you've taken it, then cool. But this is what you need to understand. A lot of people love to know their strengths, but it won't do you any good to know your strengths if you can't bridle your tongue. 
If you can't control your words, then you may know your strengths, but you won't ever be able to direct and use them effectively. Because your tongue is like the little bit in a horse that controls and directs. James gives another analogy here. He says, or take ships as an example. Although they're so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Uh, Anybody like going on cruises? Y'all do? Y'all probably like it because of one word called buffet. Hello? (laughs) Right? Am I I right? Am I right, brother? Yep. Dustin shaking his head yes. Um, I love going on cruises. It's been a while. We went on a cruise on our honeymoon. And, uh, man, that's a big old boat. And, but it's, it, it's steered by a tiny rudder. Anybody like fishing on a lake? Some of y'all do. Um, not too long ago, my buddy and I and our boys were at the beach in Galveston, and we went fishing. And here we are, we're, we're pulling up in this boat. The swells, I felt like we're forever tall. You know what I mean? I'm a little, I mean, I'm new to the water. Let's be honest, okay? And here's the swells. They were at least 1,000 feet tall. You know what I mean? Just like crashing and and uh, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just saying, and, and here we are, we're getting next to this jetty because that's where we were going to try to throw our line out to catch these fish. And, 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 the, and the, pi- the captain was like working tirelessly to make sure that he didn't get the boat in the wrong direction because if we did, then we would have been pushed into the jetty. And so he was working hard to keep the, how about this, the rudder in the right direction so we wouldn't capsize or go into a place that we want, don't want to go. And I wrote this down in relation to this message, it, thinking about that fishing trip in Galveston. I wonder how many of our lives have been capsized because our tongue didn't face us in the right direction when the winds came. And the swells are high. Um, I've also been fishing in a lake. Um, matter of fact, we're going striper fishing for my son's birthday this year. And uh, we've been before. We loved it. And I realized even then, if, if you're not careful, and even in good waters, your boat can drift. And if you don't know what you're doing, it can, you, can, you can find yourself in trouble. So I, I wrote this down for you in your notes. Even in good times when the weather is perfect, if you don't control your words you can end up in trouble. The last analogy, I, it's one of my favorites because, I, I mean, I love fire. I love watching things burn. And, um, and this is what James says. Uh, not, my, not my life. I don't want my life to burn down, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, the tongue is a small part of the body, but makes great boast. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. Uh, I grew up in North Carolina. Most of you know that. I grew up in the foothills of the mountains in some farmland area. But for a season of our life, we lived in the mountains. And we loved being in the mountains. I'll never forget the one day that we were, we were there and, and we began to see, so I'll call it uh, clouds, what ended up being smoke, okay? And in 2016, 17,900 acres were burned because two teenage, two teenage boys, they found this out, I don't know how they came to this conclusion, but two teenage boys lit a match, a little tiny match, dropped it and didn't get it stomped out. And as a result of this little match not being stomped out, again, 17,900 acres, 2,500 buildings were destroyed. Uh, some of you may have been to Gatlinburg, Tennessee. It's kind of like Branson, but just way better. <laughs> and... Uh, 
you know, I was there not, not too long ago, and, and there's still parts of Gatlinburg that isn't like what it used to be, all because, listen, of the devastation caused by a little match. And, and James is saying to us that our tongue has that same type of potential. The words we use may seem insignificant, but can actually do more destruction and devastation than we realize. And I will even add to this, that can have negative long-term effects. Our words and our tongue are powerful. He continues in talking about fire. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. That's kind of interesting. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Let me just sum this up for you. James is letting us know that the things that we say, our tongues, are inherently evil. They are default destructive because we are born in sin. David says this in Psalm 51, chapter, five, or chapter 51, verse five. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. James, David is saying the default setting on our tongue, listen to me, is death and destruction. Our tongues are inherently evil, full of evil Deadly poison. If we don't fix the default setting on our tongue, uncontrolled, it will destroy everything around us because it is inherently evil. Your, how about this? Your negative words, if you don't learn to tame your tongue, will destroy your marriage. Your negative words will hurt your kids. Your, your negative tongue can destroy everything that you were hoping for happen next. I know this to be true uh, because as I've told you before, I, I, I struggle with my tongue. And uh, I, don't, I don't want to. Sometimes it just happens. And um, I have seen firsthand in, in just an intense situation, me say something sharp and negative and, and, and watch my kids just shrink. And then I've spent not only the rest of the day, but the days after that trying to make all that right. Still trying to make some of that right. I've seen how in a moment of just frustration about nothing that has to do with anything, me look to my, my wife and say something that I shouldn't say that's very hurtful, very poignant, and watch the intimacy just continue to divide. I've seen how words can be destructive because I've caused destruction through my words. You will cause destruction in your words if you don't get that fixed. Everything you love, please hear me, everything you love will eventually be destroyed if you don't know how to tame your tongue. James says, birds, animals, reptiles, sea creatures, all that can be tamed but it's impossible for you to tame your tongue. But there's good news. What you can't do, God can. What you can't do on your own, God can. There's two stories that I'm gonna briefly tell you that kind of sh share this. The first one you already know is 
uh, it's in, found in Moses, or in Exodus, but with Moses, about Moses. And in Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 through 12, uh, Moses is talking to God. He says this, pardon your servant, Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past, how about this, neither in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant, I am slow of speech and of tongue. Moses is saying, I think this is so interesting, that not only does he have a hard time speaking, but sometimes he even has a hard time getting the right words to come out. And he had this problem before he met God and after he met God. And I I want to say that to you because um, just because you met Jesus and got saved doesn't mean you aren't going to have some of the same old problems after salvation that you did before salvation. And in just in case that's true for you and you say, hey, look, I had a potty mouth a long time ago and I want things to be better, but I got a potty mouth now. It just, if you're the guy that's saying, hey, I was divisive then and I don't want to be divisive anymore, then there's good news for you. And this is the good news. The Lord said to Moses, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. In the New Testament, uh, I thought this was interesting. We just read about it in Acts chapter two. The very first thing that the Holy Spirit did when he came upon the believers, you know what it was? He changed their tongue. He changed their tongue. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Listen to me very carefully. It is only when we surrender our tongue to the Lord and submit it to the Holy Spirit that we can stop the evil that comes from it. And the way that we give our tongue to the Lord is by submitting our lives to him. This is in your notes. This is the last really bullet point, but this is it. The only way to clean up our words is by allowing God to clean up our hearts. When we surrender our lives and our tongue to the Lordship of Jesus, it's only then and only then that we will ever get the words right that come out of our mouth. This is how James concludes. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings. How, How many is that true for? We've been made in God's life. One of the same mouth, we come praise and come cursing. He says, my brothers and sisters, this shouldn't be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Um, I grew up in the country uh, and across the street from my grandparents uh, on a farm. And uh, and being out in the country on a farm, we didn't have city water. We had water that came from a well. And uh, in drought season in the summertime when it was really hard and Uh, one of the things that would often happen is the water level in the well would go down based on the drought. And if it got really hot, right, and the drought was long, we would get to the bottom of the well. Are you with me? And then when it got to the bottom of the well, then out of the spigot, the water would look murky. Sometimes it had a lot of iron taste to it. Do y'all know what that's like? And in those seasons, I'll never forget how my grandfather would always articulate it. He would say, hey, listen, in hard times... In hard times, meaning when the drought comes, what comes out of the spigot will all be, always be what was at the bottom of the well. And James is saying, James is saying essentially the same thing. What comes out of our mouth is the result of what's in our heart. Will you bow your head with me? Lord Jesus, we love you. We're just so thankful for your 
your grace and your mercy. Lord, your word has made it clear that none of us are perfect. All of us have a problem with the things that we say, whether it's divisive or critical, potty mouths, bad jokes, God. All of us have a tendency to say something wrong at some point or another, and Lord, forgive us. Forgive us. What we say can only be made right through you. And so, Lord, we surrender our life now. Our, we, we surrender our tongue. Would you help us use our tongue to build each other up and not to tear each other down? Would you help us use our tongue to edify, to bring glory to your name and not distract and divide your people? Lord, what we say matters. Help us like you did Moses say the right thing. Help us out of the relationships that we have, Lord, continue to build them up. Help us with our tongue. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, Church family, I don't know your vice. I don't know all the things that you got going on, but I do know, according to scripture, we all have a problem with our tongue. And um, the only way that we can overcome that is by Jesus. And so as you stand on your feet, um, we're going we're gonna to have a song of response. And let me just say this to you. Uh, Rick is here, Elijah, myself, Vic. We would love to pray with you. Look, we're all in this together. We're all in this together. And if you would like some prayer just to continue to help you walk through the things that you're saying, we'd love to pray. If you want to join our church, we'd love for you to be a part of this faith family that's going to help us all be together as we're growing in the likeness of Jesus. Maybe you're wanting to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior because you cannot tame your tongue without Jesus. And if you've never given your life to him, then it can't be done. But if you give your life to Jesus, it is possible to do through him what you can't do on your own. We'd love to have conversations with you about that. We'd love to just pray with you about anything that you have going on. Guys, we love you. Thank you. Thank you for doing life with us together. Would you come as we say? Hey, thanks for joining us at The Road. If you'd like more information about things going on at Choctaw Road Baptist Church, visit us at theroad.tv or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theroadcrbc. Have a great week.